Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. Um, hey, the title of today's message is Connected, and it is a standalone message. Um, but it's a message that you hopefully hear actually every single Sunday in some way in this church. And um, I wonder, uh, just because we're in between series, I feel like after the resurrection of Jesus that maybe the disciples felt like they were between series too. Um, you know, and if you think about it, that, that's literally what happened. They had this span of time between the resurrection and the day of Pentecost where the instruction of Jesus was to wait for the promise of the helper. And the commands were really simple, love each other, preach the gospel. But first, before all of that, you have to just wait. And um, I believe it's is it 50 days, I think, between resurrection and Pentecost, something right around there. Memory might be a little foggy on some of those things. But um, I imagine in that time, they had a lot of things to consider. You know, you, you spent three years with Jesus hearing everything that he said, hearing the sermons, uh, getting to talk in the private times with Jesus. And now you're in this period where you can't believe your eyes. He's with you. He's resurrected. And then one day at some point in that period of time, he ascends to heaven. And now what? And so I imagine the disciples had some things to consider, some things to talk about in those days, especially between the ascension and Pentecost. And I think that, I, I imagine, and I don't know if you realize this, but imagination is a huge part of your relationship with God. Now, I get it. From, a, a, from, from the perspective of apologetics, some of you aren't going to like to receive that. But the reality is, is your ability to see with your mind is vitally important to faith. It's vitally important to all kinds of things. It's, it's, it's important to predicting the outcome of an obvious situation. That's all imagination. So don't disqualify anything. In fact, um, Tolkien, I believe it was J.R.R. Tolkien, who helped um, C.S. Lewis come to Jesus with the comment that the reason why he, he couldn't connect the dots, why he had no faith, was because he actually lacked imagination, which was a serious uh, thing to say to some of the most creative writers in, in human history, arguably. And uh, so you and I, I think, would do well to imagine some things, especially those things which uh, we read in between the lines of Scripture but are aligned with Scripture. I'm not suggesting that we imagine things that are out of alignment with what God's Word says, but I think that the Holy Spirit wants to utilize imagination in us to help us understand. And I imagine, maybe you can imagine with me this morning, the discipleship, the disciples considering one specific lesson that Jesus taught, and that was from John 15, where Jesus says, I am the vine, I'm the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. And probably most of us at some point in time, if we spent any amount of time in church at all, have heard this in some form. But I can imagine the disciples sitting around and considering this. Jesus has ascended. They are sitting around literally with nothing to do but think and talk and eat. Because they are waiting together in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. They're being true to the command. And they imagine and they consider this reality of Jesus' words, apart from me, you can do nothing, but Jesus has ascended to heaven. Can you get in that brain space with me this morning? Kind of a weird spot in church history. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus ascends to heaven, and here they stand. 
Okay, now what? He just said apart from me, and now he's literally quite apart from us. Of course, the disciples were going to learn that uh, what the reality of the spirit is and what the reality of the flesh is aren't always perfectly aligned. And so the message today is connected, as I shared with you before, and I want you to hear this morning what it is that the Holy Spirit would say to you, what the Holy Spirit would say to your family, what the Holy Spirit is saying to our church with regard to being connected. John 15, 1 through 11, we're going to read through it together. I'm going to commentate a little as we go. But here's what it says, starting in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes so that it will bear more fruit, even richer and finer fruit. Of course, I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible this morning. Those of you who are stuck on the NASB, you're going to have to just shift gears. We're, we're, we're doing Amplified today because there's some nuance that it helps to bring out when you study God's Word. So I'd like you to understand that this is about the will of God for your life. Somebody say, the will of God for my life. That's what this is about, the will of God for your life. And what do we understand? God is not looking to cut people off. God is not looking to separate the people from the true vine, but he is the vine dresser, and the one who comes, the, the, the husbandry of a vineyard requires that the vine dresser comes along and analyzes every branch attached to the vine and makes decisions what is best for the whole by removing certain parts that aren't formed properly, that aren't aligned properly, that aren't going to be able to carry the weight of the fruit that will be produced in the next season, and this is what God is doing. Hear this, church. God is not interested in separating anyone from Christ, but he is interested in trimming and pruning your life so that you will be effective and productive in the kingdom of God. Now, sometimes we get this confused. I run into it all the time. People are, are wondering, does, does God mad at me? Does God hate me? What is going on? God doesn't hate you. God's not mad at you. God is not actually diminishing you when he prunes you. What he's doing is preparing you for a season of fruitfulness. Yeah. And some of you need to take that by the Spirit of God this morning and hide that word deep, deep inside of your heart so that you can understand the season that you're in. A season of pruning is not a season of, of, of failure. A season of pruning is, is not a, seal, a season of being set back. It's a, ceiling of pre a season sorry, of preparation for the fruitfulness that is about to come. Sometimes God's got to trim you so you grow stronger. And it's actually not sometimes. It will happen to everyone at some point in time. And if you think it was the last time it happened to you, i got to tell you, you're wrong. It's going to happen again. Because we are not yet perfect, but we are being perfected. All right. Um, verse 3, you're already clean because of the word which I have given you, the teachings which I have discussed with you. Now listen to me very carefully. Somebody in church today needed to hear that word. The Lord made it very clear to me. I was actually very um, undecided, indecisive about what to preach this morning. I get used to being in series nowadays, and uh, it's easy to see way, way, way ahead as to what's happening. And this one, I admit, kind of kind of snuck up on me somehow. 
But as I was preparing this morning, I really felt the Holy Spirit put his finger on this verse. That you are already clean because of the word which I have given you. Those teachings which I discussed with you. Jesus needs you to know this morning, church, that you're clean because of the word implanted in you. Jesus is the word who became flesh, the book of John says. And so when Jesus indwells you, when Jesus, the word of God revealed, the word of God incarnate, that is the word of God that came in the flesh, is in you, you have already been made clean. So this is not about your cleanliness, your perfection, your holiness even. This is about the reality that because Jesus dwells in you, you are fit for service. Oh, but pastor, you don't know what I looked at this week. Oh, I have a pretty good idea what you might have looked at this week. You don't know how I talked to my kids this week. Oh, I have a pretty good idea how you might have talked to your kids this week, or your wife, or your husband, or you name it, because these things are common to human beings. You are clean. Hear it this morning if it's you. See, the benefit of being a reconciled child of God is that the teaching of Jesus, the reality of Jesus, the Word of God in our lives, has the power to make us clean as it is applied in us. The Bible says in another place that we are washed by the water and the word. Never underestimate the power of God's word to clean you, to make you right, to make you fit for service. It's not something you can do by yourself anyways. So let the, let the word of God dwell within you richly. That's what Paul wrote to Timothy. Let it dwell within you richly. Because that word, that living word, that rhema word of God, has the power to cleanse you. Amazing. Uh, verse 4, remain in me, and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit, producing the evidence of faith, unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. Someone say much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, that is cut off from that vital union with me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We often read that in whatever translation we might like to read in. And I love the Amplified because it, it expounds just a little bit on what the, what, the, what the extra meaning, what the extra nuances are in that phrase. Apart from me, you can do nothing is one thing, but apart from me, that is to be cut off from the vital union with Jesus means we can't do anything. See, a branch beside a tree doesn't do anything in terms of producing fruit, does it? I can take the best apple tree that you can find growing in this part of the world, and I can cut a branch off of it, I can bring it here, and I can show it to you, but what will it accomplish? Absolutely nothing. Because in time, it's going to shrivel and it's going to die. Now listen, it, it, it's, it's hard for us because sometimes I think church people who get used to church, we get disconnected from the vine and we look at the evidence of our life and we say, well look, there's still some sap flowing, there's still some leaves forming, I'm okay. And your friends who love you, your pastors, your leaders are going, this isn't going to go well for you. Because you've disconnected yourself from the source of life, that vitalizing force. 
of being connected to the body of Christ, the church, to Jesus himself, the vital union. Man, you can take a branch and cut it off. And this time of year, it's very interesting to me because the sap is starting to flow in the trees again. And, you know, I could cut a branch off of almost any tree that grows anywhere in this region right now, and I could bring it to you next week, and even though it was cut off, it would still make leaves. Amazing how that works. But is that branch capable of doing anything? No, it's not. It's disconnected. It can't bear fruit. It can't blossom. It can't do what God intended it to do by design of creation. It will, in fact, shrivel and die. So I would say to you this morning, don't mistake a few leaves for life. Don't kid yourself. Don't pretend that when you are knowingly disconnecting yourself from Jesus, that even though the odd leaf or the odd shoot may take place, even though the stem might appear green and flexible still, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before death comes. Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch and withers and dies. And they gather such branches and throw them into the fire and they are burned. The reality of not being connected is death. Some people would immediately jump and draw some conclusion about hell with this verse. I think that's unnecessary in this particular case. Because this morning I'm talking to those of you who are connected but are in danger of becoming disconnected. And the warning is not one of hell, but the warning is one of the total loss of the ability to produce and reproduce in the body of Christ. You can't afford to become disconnected. You can't afford to shrivel. You can't afford to make it through this season without a sincere, a deep, a meaningful connection to Jesus. If you remain in me, verse 7, and my words remain in you, that is, again, it says, if you are vitally united and my message lives in your heart, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is probably a verse everyone glazes over, probably not one that we stop to consider. But let's just analyze really quickly what, what the expectation is from this verse. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, that is if we are vitally united, two things, and my message lives in your heart, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Why don't we see more miracles in the church? Why, why don't we see miracles? Now, we have seen miracles. We do see miracles. I'll tell you what, for those of you who are slow to understand, the signs and wonders follow those who believe who are connected to the vine. That's, where, that's who signs and wonders follow. And there are millions upon millions of Christians, those people who legitimately are reconciled children of God by the blood of Jesus, by his work at the cross. They are legitimate sons and daughters. But so many of them are not fully 
fully vitalized by the true vine. They have lost connection with the presence of God in their life. And because they have lost connection with Him, the life of Christ doesn't flow in them, that vitalized sense, that vitalized essence of His Spirit. And when that happens, my friends, we begin to see less and less of the signs and wonders following those who believe. The early church fathers would walk down the street, by, by that I mean the, the disciples, and the generation that followed them could walk down the street and their shadow could pass over a sick person and the sick person would be healed. The shadow could touch them. And there was a healing. Jesus promised that his followers, his true disciples, would do greater things than even he did in his earthly ministry. Why don't we see those things today? I think the answer is actually quite simple. It's that we lack a truly connected and vitalized relationship with the true vine. Or we won't allow the vine dresser to come and remove some parts that are unproductive or some parts that are unyielding or even some parts that are unwilling to be a part of the process of making fruit. Why is our faith weak? Why, why do we have a hard time understanding and connecting with the Word of God when it's delivered from tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of pulpits in the world every week. We need to be vitally united. I think we fail to place the appropriate emphasis on connection to Jesus. Are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but, but really... Well, what do you mean, really? I mean, really, are you vitally connected to the person of Jesus Christ? I wonder if we rediscover that connection personally. I wonder if we wouldn't then begin to see the signs and the wonders that Jesus promised would follow his church. Now, I'm not saying this to shame you this morning. I'm saying this because there is a move of God building in our part of the world. There is a move of God building right here in our city. There's a move of God building right here in this church. And it's not going to be a very fun ride if it's me and four other people who are vitalized in Christ, ready to do the work he's calling us to do. Man, I'm looking for 500 brothers and sisters to be vitally connected to Jesus because with 500 people who have lost their minds and lost their lives to Jesus, what can't God do in our community? And I'm not talking about becoming weird. We're not going to see people crawling around and barking like dogs. We're not going to see Holy Spirit people doing the, the chicken peck. And you know what? If that's you and that's how it works for you, that's fine. Friends, never forget that people who were weird before the Holy Spirit will still be weird after the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's not the weird one. You are. So don't blame Jesus for the weirdness that you see. Just accept your brother or sister in Christ in love with their weirdness and all. It's okay. Jesus knew they were weird when he called them. And God help us, maybe that's why he called them. And all the weird people can say amen and 
know that you're loved this morning. Because, you know, you might think I'm weird, and I'm okay with that, too. Listen, thanks. Thanks, you guys. I appreciate, I appreciate the humility some guys let Jesus use in my life by their presence. No, I'm kidding. I just, I just trust you'll remember us at Christmas time. <laughs> Shameless, I know. Guys, we got to be a vitalized church. And I, I'm not preaching because we're not. I'm preaching because we can be more than we are. I'm not, I'm not worried. Everywhere I look, I see fruitfulness. we got young adults coming from all over our city. We had 40 young adults gathered again on Friday night. They're just... Some of them are not very church. Some of them are super church. Some of them have no relationship with Jesus at all. Some of them have discovered a relationship with Jesus. And it's just the beginning of the process. We've only been together for a few months. And tell me, what is it that God wants to do in the lives of 40, then 50, then 60, then 80 young adults in our city? I mean, come on. The body has no choice but to grow. Everything God touches springs to life, and it grows. Our church is going to grow. Our church is growing. There's a reason why for years on our Generations Church logo, it had that leaf on it. I always thought it looked like bunny ears and not the good kind of bunny ears. It's a little, it's a little kind of, it was kind of weird a few times for me. I was like, huh. But, 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 I, but I like the fact that we had those leaves growing on our logo. Because when we put them there, there was a significance and there was, there was a time where we understood that being connected to Jesus as a local church is what makes the local church the hope of the world. A vitalized, a vitally connected people that Jesus flows and moves through. So if you want to be the kind of follower of Christ that whatever you, and this is crazy, whatever you wish will be done. I mean, we're supposed to be like authoritative and, and, uh, and have a lot of verbiage around our prayer, I think. That's what we believe sometimes. But Jesus goes so far as to say, hey, man, whatever you wish for will be done. We need to rethink what it means to be vitally connected to the vine. We need to rethink it. Now listen to this, verse 8. My Father is glorified and honored by this when you bear much fruit. And prove yourselves to be my true disciples. I have loved you just as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love and do not doubt my love for you. Well, God can't love me because God is cutting things off from me. No, the evidence that God is cutting things off from you is the evidence that God loves you. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't see it that way. That's okay. Maybe you had bad earthly parents. I don't know what your backstory is. But listen, the Lord disciplines the ones that he loves. The Lord prunes the ones that he wants to be productive. It's not because God is frustrated with you that he trims things back in your life. It's because he knows how he made you and he wants to prepare you for effective fruitfulness. But Lord, I really wanted to go to that college. I feel like God would smile at you and say, so what? I don't want you to go to that college. Why should that be a problem for us? Should it be a problem? Of course it shouldn't be a problem for us. Because there is a will of God for each one of us. 
And when we can understand and know and walk in the good, the perfect will of God for our lives, I can promise you this. There is no greater joy and no greater satisfaction that can be experienced by a human being. To be in the center of God's will is such a profoundly possible miracle. And it is the first of many that God wants to follow in your life. So be where he wants you to be, not where you wants you to be. Because God is, says, my father is glorified and honored when you bear much fruit. Someone say much fruit. Right. Yeah, pastor, I, I bared an apple last year for the Lord. Good. God wants you to bear a bushel of apples. I don't even know how much a bushel of apples is. It's not a whole lot. I know a bushel of oats is, uh, I think, two and a half, five-gallon pails because it's a weight and a volume measure, depending on the crop. God wants you to bear much fruit, and it honors him when you do. Anybody here want to honor the Father? If you want to honor the Father, bear fruit. This is where, this is where people in other religious streams get so wrong. They become works-focused for the wrong reasons. They become works-focused to prove something to someone, not just simply to give a return or to bless their Heavenly Father. Faith without works is dead, and good works honor the Father, and they prove your connection to Jesus. If you want to know who needs the most proof in your reality of connection to Jesus, who is it? Who do you think it is? You got it. I need more proof than anyone that I'm connected to Jesus. You know why? Because the first voice that suggests that I'm not connected to Jesus when I'm done preaching today is not any one of your voices. It's actually the voice inside my own head. It's the flesh. And tomorrow morning when you're struggling, it's not because the devil is out to get you. It's because your flesh still hasn't been brought into the full obedience of the Spirit in your life. And that dirty rotter will try to get up off of its cross. Because the Bible says we're to crucify ourselves with Christ. We're to daily put to death the old nature. But it tries to get up and it tries to have a voice and it tries to speak with you. And the problem is when your old nature speaks to you, it knows you almost as well as your heavenly Father does. The problem is, is it knows your failures, it knows, it knows your misconceptions, it knows your doubts, it knows your dirty deeds, it knows your not good things, it knows your bad things, it knows your horrible things, it knows your failure things, it knows everything about you that you wish you didn't have to know, and that is the language it speaks to your soul. But when you're fruitful... It proves your connection to Christ. See, and this is where everybody gets so messed up. They think their good works are going to prove how connected they are to someone else. But that's not who the proof was for. The proof was for you. Because that relationship is about you and Jesus. And then, yes, it's about everyone else in your life. 
Verse 10, if you keep my commandments and obey my teaching, you will remain in my love. Simple, but pretty tough to do. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you these things so that my joy and my delight may be in you and that your joy may be made full and complete and overflowing. Jesus finishes up this part of the conversation with these words, and it's actually pretty profound to me. It's like he's saying, I'm telling you this for your own good, for your own benefit. How many of you actually know the difference between the Lord's joy in your life and your own joy? If I was asking everyone to bow their heads, close their eyes, and raise their hands to yes for this question, I'm curious how many of you would be able to put up your hand. Now, I think that when a pastor in a church service on a Sunday morning asks that question, our gut instinct is to be like, oh yeah, I know the difference. But I'm not asking about your Sunday morning self right now. I'm asking about your, uh, I don't know, Thursday depressed self. Or maybe you're a really Matic Monday kind of person. What does that self know about the joy of the Lord versus the joy of self? Now, I could go off and I could really preach just on this one thing, but that is not the message for today. I want you to know this, church, that there is a difference between God's joy in your life and your own joy simply in your life. And I've got to tell you this, that when the Lord's joy in your life is made complete, then your joy will be even more complete. You see, because being vitally connected puts the life of Jesus into anything and everything you touch. Your business can look a lot different when you're vitally connected to Jesus seven days a week as opposed to Sunday morning. Your family can look a lot different when it's vitally connected to Jesus than it will when you just connect one or two days a week. It's his joy that makes my joy complete and overflowing. It's his joy that makes my joy complete and overflowing. Now, does that say I have joy every day? Well, no, because as I shared with you before, the first voice that starts to scream things at me Sunday afternoon, Monday morning, whenever I have a quiet moment to myself, is this internal voice. Oh, you really ticked people off today. They don't like you now. I don't know, it might surprise some of you to know that I hear a voice like that. But if you think you hear voices, you're just not the only one. Because we all have an internal dialogue, and it's generally not a really favorable one. And if you think that makes me weak, then I welcome it as a compliment, because as I look through Scripture, I see man upon man upon man, and even woman, who all struggled with this same intellectual debate inside. And just so you know, Jesus did too. If you don't think that, I, I don't think you know him quite the same way than I do yet. So connected. How connected are you today to Jesus? And by today, I don't mean today, but I mean in your now. Like before you came and after you leave now. And tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday now. How connected are you? 
And I mean, I know that we're connected to a lot of things. You and I are a lot like these lamps that Carlisle so strategically placed beside me this morning. You and I are like these lamps that are connected to Jesus. Here's the problem. Sometimes you walk out of this place and you unplug. And then next Sunday comes along and Oh, I'm back. Some of you guys on this side are the same way. You show up for youth, Bible study, whatever your thing is. And you leave that place. You become disconnected. My friends, that's not how it's supposed to work. We have the wrong image sometimes of what it actually even means to be connected. You unplug from church so that you can plug into other things. Your job, your responsibility, your people, your kids, your family, your opportunity, whatever it is, and you You fail to understand that it doesn't have to be that way, that you don't actually have to unplug from the Lord to be able to plug into the next thing. In fact, I would submit to you this morning that what you're practicing, if that's the case, is idolatry. You see, there's a different image that you and I should carry when we understand what it means to be plugged in to Jesus, when we're to be connected to Jesus. There is no need to to disconnect from him because when you disconnect from Jesus, what you are beginning to connect to every time is insecurity and busyness and emergency and negative responsibility. Well, pastor, what's a negative responsibility? That which you take responsibility for that God never intended you to be responsible for. That is one of the greatest secret sins committed by Christians, just so you know. Your desire to take upon yourself responsibility that God never intended for you to take on. That's a carnal sin. And you don't understand how that's okay. You're going to learn how it is as you learn to be truly connected to the vine. i got to tell you this. When, when you think you're responsible for something God has not made you responsible for, you are taking the place of Jesus in someone's life. Whoa. Now hear me. That is hugely different than something God has given you the responsibility for. In which case, you are the extension of Jesus to that person's life. But hear me. If you are disconnecting from Jesus, if you are disconnecting from the body of Christ in the name of a responsibility, I fear you have missed the point of everything Jesus called his church to be. And remember, apart from him, disconnected from him, you can do nothing anyways. I think that a lot of folks treat this relationship like an electrical connection. 
And we fail to understand that rather than plugging and unplugging, there's actually something God wired into this whole thing called the switch. See, a switch is a miraculous invention. A switch allows you to turn things on and turn things off as necessary without disconnecting them from the source of power. Well, Pastor, I don't know if I want to be plugged into Jesus and on all the time. Do I really have to literally burn my candle seven days a week, 24 hours a day? Of course not. You'd be violating the command of Scripture, which is to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. The principle of rest, the principle of taking a day and setting it aside to rest in the presence of God. See, God wired a switch into this spiritual house. And you don't have to plug and unplug. You just have to let the Holy Spirit switch and switch on and switch off. Remaining connected to the life of Jesus. There's a day of the week where this is me. I don't have my phone with me for most of that day. I don't return your texts that day. I try not to think about you that day. Some of you more than others. Because <laughs> when I, th- I how, if you were friends with Ed and Carla like I am, how could you not think about them every day? That's so true, I know, right? See, but then there's this, I'm connected. I'm connected to the ultimate source of power. I don't have to plug and unplug. I just have to let the Holy Spirit decide what's on and what's off. Now is the time. Tomorrow is the time. You can't keep disconnecting your life from Jesus and expect everything to be okay. You need to be plugged in permanently to Jesus. You need to be plugged in permanently to the church. You need to be plugged in permanently to ministry and understand that his yoke is easy, his burden is light. God is not going to place something on your life that is going to destroy you which was the lie we talked about in the beginning. What God's cutting things off of me. I must be wrong. He must be mad. No, he wants you to be fruitful, so he prunes. He prunes and he disciplines so that you can make a more perfect fruit. You are not called to the extension cord relationship with Jesus, but to a hardwired relationship. You do need to be connected to the body of Christ. You need attention and support and encouragement. And sometimes you actually need discouragement. Well, I don't like that, Pastor. Yeah, some some of you need discouragement because you're going to do the wrong thing. And I would love to discourage you from some of the things you would want to do. Because it's not good and it's not healthy. It's not safe. It's not going to be fruitful for your life. you got to be hardwired into this relationship, into this body. Why? Because God prepared good works beforehand for you to do so that you would walk in them. And those good works that God prepared for you to do, you see, those are the evidence in your own life to your own spirit to remind you that you are connected, that you are qualified, that you are a chosen and a beloved son or daughter of God you got to be available for the work. you got to be available for fruitfulness. you got to be available to respond to the call of God. And that's why you must remain plugged in 
always plugged in, always ready to be switched on, always ready to be called into action, always ready to respond to the move of the Holy Spirit, always ready to respond to the Word of God, ready to talk to someone, ready to hug someone, ready to love someone, ready to rest, ready to do the right thing that comes next. Another analogy that might help you understand better is that some people like to treat Jesus like a fire, and that's a good thing because the Bible says he is a fire. But they, they, they have a problem because they treat Jesus like a warming fire. And some of you this morning are probably sitting here and guilty of this very thing. Well, I like the fire that I feel at church. I love a good fire too. I love it how, how, how in a cold night that orange flame is so comforting it does something good for the soul of a human being no accident there by the way I love the warmth that it throws and that warmth penetrates into my body and warms my body it just feels good and reassuring to sit near a fire doesn't it but there's a problem with that when the fire is Jesus Jesus is not a warming fire, but a consuming and a refining fire. And too many people want to be followers of Christ, but they just want to come beside Him and get warmed by the fire. They want the illumination that comes from being around the fire. They appreciate that, but they are afraid to get into the fire. And let me tell you why. It's because you don't understand who you are or what you're called to be. Because my friends, you are not something that will be consumed by the fire of God. Rather, you are something that will be refined by the fire of God. Just like the person who doesn't want to plug in. Well, I don't want to get burned out. I don't want the church to burn me out. I don't want it to take too much from me. Guys, the church doesn't want to take anything from you. The church wants to add to you. The church wants to be, be, be a multiplication factor in your life, and that's why we preach and teach the way we do in this church. You know, the average attender of Generations Church comes to church for less than two weeks a year. I mean, all combined, if you add it all up, if you come to church 52 weeks a year for two hours a Sunday, you're not even going to fill two full weeks. Most of us miss a Sunday or two, or a dozen, or two or three dozen, if we're being honest. Why? Because we're worried we're missing out on something in the world. See, that's the whole plugged into the wrong thing again. Oh, I'm plugged in over here. I gotta be plugged into kids' sports. I gotta be plugged into this. I gotta be plugged into that. I gotta be, I gotta be plugged into my own rest and holiday. That's good for me. Of course, all of those things are good for you. They're good for your kids. But when you look back at your year, how much time did you actually spend in the presence of God with His people? How much? I'm not trying to shame you into being at church more. I'm just simply calling it out that the church is actually not taking from you, so it's time to stop using that as an excuse. This church doesn't want to take anything from you. This church wants to add to you. We don't need your value. We want to add value to you to make you productive in this world and in God's kingdom. Why? Because that kind of productivity is what pleases the Heavenly Father. 
People are afraid to get into the fire for the similar reason. Well, I don't want the fire to consume me. What if I jump all the way into Jesus and there's nothing left? I hope to God that is the case for you. That you and I could jump into the fire that is Jesus. For our God, the Bible says, is a consuming fire. But here's the truth, you guys. You are not a consumable. You are not a consumable. You are gold. And gold is not consumed in a fire. Gold is refined in a fire. And the problem with being gold, you guys, in the rough form, is that being near the fire will not reform you. It will not refine you. It will not make you into something better. It'll just make you hot and uncomfortable. But when gold is placed in a crucible and placed in the heat of a refining fire, the gold is not affected, but the impurities are burned off. And the impurities are burned off until the refiner, the one who is doing the refining, can see his own reflection in the molten gold. And if you have an idea in your head that somehow jumping all the way into Jesus today or tomorrow or yesterday is going to consume every part of your life that has value, you are simply misunderstanding the true value that you possess in this world. You are gold. And that is what God is interested in consuming. So that what remains is pure. So that what remains is holy. So that what remains is set apart. Ready to be used for the glory of God. See, the branch that remains in Jesus bears fruit. And the gold that remains in the fire is refined. It's purified. And this is a really simple message, and I'm going to be done now. And maybe... Probably not maybe, but for sure, you need to respond in some way today. So maybe you're not connected to Jesus in a way that you are truly plugged into him, where you truly have life in Jesus. We can, we can help you with that today. Sometimes we question whether or not God has called us. Can I just tell you this morning, in a, in a day where a lot of people are running back to weird and old religious ways of thinking, God has called you. If you are sitting in this church this morning, God has called you. There's no accident that you're here. He's already called you. He's already chosen you. The question is, are you going to respond to his call and his choosing? Because when we respond, he makes us his own. We can't help but respond to him. His grace is irresistible. Maybe you're, maybe you like being in His presence. You're that church person that has enjoyed being in the presence of God. And ah, oh, the worship's good, and I feel, I feel the warm fuzzies. And then you wonder why you go away and come Wednesday, you're looking at things you shouldn't be looking at again. Or you're struggling with the same old things again. Or you're yelling at your spouse again. Or you're mistreating someone. Or your, 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 your business is whatever. You just fill in the blank, whatever it is. Maybe it's because you're beside the fire when the Holy Spirit is calling you to get into the fire. Remember, you're gold. You cannot be consumed by the refiner's fire. Only made pure. Are you plugging and plugging in 
plugging out of the church at your own discretion, out of his presence at your own discretion. I got to tell you, if that's you, if, if you're the one who is flickering light because you're plugging in and plugging out so many times, you're going to hurt yourself. And you're going to hurt people that you love because of your disconnection to Jesus. You got to become connected. You're going to hurt your faith. You're going to shrink your faith. You're going to warp your faith rather than have it built up. I feel like today for some of you, God is saying, I'm putting life and I'm putting death in front of you today. And like he said to his people in the Old Testament, oh, that you would choose life. Because what does Jesus say? He wants your joy. He wants your life to be continually overflowing. So someone here might need to do business with God today. This will be your chance. We're going to sing one last song like we always do. I'm going to pray for you. And then I want you this morning to consider your response to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. And the best way I can help you do that is to ask him a question just like you're asking any other person a question. And so wherever you're sitting this morning, your question can be this, Holy Spirit, what would you like me to do with what I've heard today? And then do what he says. That might mean come forward for prayer. That might mean come talk to me or one of the other leaders in our church. That might mean to go right now and apologize to your spouse to make something right between you and another brother or sister. And that happens. The Bible says you're supposed to leave the sacrifice at the altar and rush to make it right with someone. See, guys, these issues, this disconnection, I think is why we struggle so hard to see the great things of God unfold in our lives. So, you need saving today, Jesus is here to save. You need healing today, Jesus is here to heal. You need to recommit your life to God in some way today. That's awesome. I'm excited for what's about to happen. God is here to take your recommit because he loves you. And he so desperately wants you to be plugged into the very essence of life itself, who is Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. All right, now you let me pray for you, and then we're going to sing this song. And if during this song, I mean, church isn't quite over yet. We always do this. If you need prayer this morning, you come. Don't wait. Don't wait. Just come. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we've asked this question today in our own hearts, Lord, that you would give clarity and you would speak to us through open ears right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I'm asking that you would open the eyes and the ears of our hearts right now in this moment. To hear you plainly. Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do today with what we've heard? And Jesus, I pray that by your Spirit, you would give courage to respond rightly to every heart in this room, to everyone that's watching online. Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you that we are so loved by you. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.